you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast or you just want to talk, please reach out to someone for help and support. You can also get in touch with Man Blues via manblues at gmx.com. We also have a presence on Twitter or X, as well as on Instagram and Mastodon. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. On this week's show, it's all about exams and studying. Hi, and welcome to Man Blues. Right, exams, exams. Nobody likes them, and I mean genuinely, nobody likes them. Okay, there are people that like them, but I will guarantee you there's a much larger percentage of people that don't. So by now, this podcast has this structure, and I'm sure you're getting used to the structure at this point. So what do I mean? Well, this, again, is one of those stories about how difficult it is to be a man or a boy in the modern world that everybody already knows about. The statistics show that girls tend to outperform boys in exams. And that's not just me putting that statement out there. Those statistics are everywhere. I found a website called My Tutor, and on there was a question. And the question was, outline three reasons why girls tend to achieve more highly than boys in education. And that question would have yielded six marks. The question had been answered by somebody called Chloe Kay, and I'm going to read you Chloe's answer. Girls may achieve better due to having more positive role models in schools. 86% of teachers in primary schools are female, so from a young age, girls see that they can achieve highly, subsequently giving them goals and ambitions, which make them want to achieve well at school. Girls also naturally favour coursework as they pay more attention to detail, take care of how their work is presented, and are better at meeting deadlines. Studies have found that the gender gap in achievement increased significantly once GCSEs, which involved coursework, were introduced. Girls also tend to achieve more highly than boys as they are often favoured by the teachers, as they are more cooperative and typically work silently with little fuss. These positive labels given to girls may form self-fulfilling prophecies. Similarly, when teachers label boys as a nuisance, it can form a negative self-fulfilling prophecy for them. Now, I genuinely hope that these are Chloe's opinions and they're not based in any form of fact. Because if that's the case, I've got so much of that I need to pull apart. What are we saying? Well, as I said, the statistics seem to prove the case. Boys just don't achieve as well in schools as girls. Here's a quote for you. The gender gap is a common feature of education systems around the world. In standardized tests, girls tend to outperform boys in humanities, languages, and reading skills, while the boys tend to do better in maths. But when grades are awarded by teachers, girls do better in all subjects. Now, where's that coming from? Because that leads me directly into... What's my problem? (sighs) Unfortunately, this episode is going to be littered with quotes because this, I genuinely didn't realise just how wide-reaching this problem was and how well-known it was. But it is something that genuinely will affect your man blues or even, if you want, your boy blues. Because we are tested in this way in the education system throughout most of our adolescent and even into our adult lives. 
you know, when you get into university, you're an adult and you're still being tested by exams. Because somewhere along the line, somebody thought exams was the best way of testing someone's knowledge. I realise I'm sounding as though I'm getting a bit angry about this, but I do have reason to. When I left my high school, I went on to do A-levels, I went on to further education. I was in that further education for two years, and at the end of it, I sat down and did the exams. I waited expectantly for my results three, four months later, and when I got them, the disappointment was palpable, because I failed every single exam. Now at the time when I took my exams, the UK grading system for A-levels was based on a lettering system where A was the best and F was the worst. Then they had something called an N and then they had something called a U which was ungraded. Now a U grade was if you scored between 0 and 5% of the marks for that exam. I walked away from my A-levels with four graded exams at grade U. That is a complete and total fail. But what that means is, those exams stood in my way of my future. That failure that I had at A-level could have completely changed my life. I could have taken that and gone, no, I'm fine, I'm done with education, let's go and do something else then. And my life would have taken a completely different turn. I think I want to pick that up in a different episode, to be honest, because that's about reframing failure for me and I, I think I'm going to talk about that in a separate episode so keep an eye out for that later but I found this quote which is <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to get triggered by some of these things but the point of it is and the point I can't get around is that all of the things that I discovered in the research for this particular subject they've all just proven that it's known everybody knows about this issue and yet nobody seems to be mindful to do anything about it. So the quote I read was, it is a commonly held truism that boys, especially adolescent boys, don't work hard. They are famously nonchalant about studying and exams and notoriously difficult to motivate, unless it's something they're interested in. Of course, this doesn't apply to all boys, just like it can easily apply to some girls. Famously nonchalant, notoriously difficult. This is on the internet. You can Google this phrase, you can find the website that makes these claims. You can find it. Famously nonchalant. I was a good student at school. I was in all the top sets and top classes all the way through my secondary and high school education. All the way through. But I'm famously nonchalant and notoriously difficult. The problem with a sweeping statement is that it tars everyone with the same brush, and I get that. But here's the thing. In lockdown 2020, when it first started, it affected my son heavily because he was about to go into his GCSE year. He was about to sit and do his exams. Now, school was cancelled in March 2020, but by February 2020, we as parents were already on at him to get his head in the books and he was starting to settle into his routine. And then suddenly, uh-oh, we can't go into college and school anymore, so we're going to have to find a different way of examining these children. And that's when they switched to continuous assessment. That's how they managed to find the grades for those students. And do you know what? Suddenly, the boys did a lot better than expected. Not better than the girls, but better than expected. One of my son's friends, he was expecting a three or a four grade. Now, I'm not sure when the grading system changed, but when I was at school, it was A, B, C, D, E. Then they changed it to nine, eight, seven, six, five, all the way down to one. So this boy was expecting to get a 3 or a 4, which as you can imagine puts him at the bottom of the scale. But he finished up with a 6, which is over 
So the three to the four was his predicted grade had he sat the exams based on the mock exams that he'd done the previous December. And yet when they did the continuous assessment, suddenly he did nearly twice as good because it seems that in shorter bursts, boys can excel. As I said though, the thing for me about this is is that your exam results are for life. Sure, you've got retakes and everything like that, which of course I had to do in a couple of times. But when I failed my A-levels and took different courses afterwards, those failures, they're still on my CV and they still took two years of my life. And I firmly believe that it's irresponsible of the education establishment to continue to test boys in the same way when it's known and expected and accepted that boys don't do well. Boys are being set up to fail. Now this is genuinely the first man blues topic that I've researched where all the articles I've found have confirmed the issue. All of them. So as you can imagine, trying to find some positivity for this has been incredibly difficult. In fact, I'm going to say it's been nigh on impossible because every time I typed in something like how can I help my son do better at exams, I got a plethora of links that all said why boys are terrible at exams. I'm like, no, I'd like to help boys get better at exam. I want to give exam tips um, or revision tips or studying tips or whatever it is I want to do. It took me a long, long time. And that's the craziness of it. If this is so well known and if this is so widely accepted, why does nobody care? Boys will worry about exam stress exactly the same way as girls will. But boys will look at it along the lines of, well, I'm not expected to do well. So when I don't do well, I've achieved exactly what they expected. I've proven the point. I am a self-fulfilling prophecy, as Chloe Kay said earlier on in her six-point answer to that question. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy, but self-fulfilling prophecies are rarely positive. Sure, you can embody somebody with the ability to think good about themselves and to improve about their, their thoughts on themselves and so on and so on. But if you're constantly being reminded that you're not expected to do well in an exam, then why would you ever want to try? Why would you ever want to give more than what's expected of you? But I did find a counter argument, just the one, and that was that boys outperform girls in one specific area, university entrance exams, because boys are more likely to take risks for the opportunity. And my spin on this is that maybe it's also about a, a kind of a devil may care approach from the perspective of the boys. Because the boy might be thinking, well, if I don't get in, I can try somewhere else as a contingency plan. So that's where the risk taking comes from. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if I don't get in there because it was a hopeful punt anyway. Similarly with my son, years ago, he took the entrance exam for a local grammar school and he passed it. We had absolutely no expectations whatsoever. We didn't have extra tuition for him. He went in, he sat the exam as a 10 year old or 11 year old, passed it but he didn't reach it with a high enough grade in order to be offered an unconditional place. But we looked at it with the aspect of, look, you've sat an exam, an entrance exam, you've passed that exam. And we were so proud of him for that. But because we had this contingency plan of, well, if you don't get in, we can go somewhere else. We weren't worried about it, which is why he took the risk, why we took the risk and he went in there without any stress at all. Because he knew, even if he failed the exam, he still had a good school to go to. We were just trying to put him in a better one. That's all it was. Now, exams aren't going to be going away anytime soon, despite the lessons that have been learned from COVID. 
And my wife is a teacher and we have this conversation a lot where I tell her it's unfair to measure boys in this way because boys just don't excel at exams. The problem is I'm talking to a woman and I'm talking to a woman teacher. So the woman teacher goes, well, exams are great because they're a good way of testing knowledge. They're not. They're a good way of testing regurgitation. I can't remember anything from my A-level exams. I can't remember anything from my university exams because all you do is you load that information into your short-term memory so that you can spit it out onto paper so that someone can mark it and then you get your grades. And then six months later, when someone says to you, hey, what did you put in that exam question? I don't know. It's gone. Now, obviously, there is a lot of information out there for help and support for those who are taking exams. So visit the websites, read the suggestions, find out what works for you and stick to it. You have to find that routine and that regime that does you well. For me, I couldn't revise or study in a room that was quiet. I needed to have some sort of ambient noise in the background. So I used to listen to music. And one time I made the mistake of listening to music I knew. So I'm reading the page and it's trying, I'm trying to get the knowledge to sink in. And in the background, I can hear a song that I like. When I got in the exam, I genuinely had this trigger in my brain that when the question came up about the subject that I'd revised, all I could remember was the song that was playing when I was listening to it. That was a real big shock for me. Quite a scary moment. But I found a website that does have some good suggestions. And as I said, there are thousands out there because everyone understands how important it is to get through the exam stress. Number one is to make sure you get enough sleep. I don't even need to explain how important that is because everybody knows it's important to get enough sleep. But it's sometimes tricky to remind yourself to go to sleep at the right times. Eating the right food, there's another thing. Drinking enough water, you know, hydration also helps the brain. Create the right environment to study for your exams. You know, shut out all the other worldly distractions. Don't be revising in the busiest room in the house. Be revising somewhere that's nice and quiet where you can take yourself away and just let the information soak in. And establish a routine. You know, put it in that at 6pm every day you're going to be doing 45 minutes of this with a 15 minute break and then after that you're going to do an hour of such and such then you're going to be back in the books. Always make sure you've got a powerful regime that you can stick to because then you'll know you've got the risk and reward. You need to make sure that while you've got your head stuck in the books you've also got that thing to look forward to that in 45 minutes time when you've been doing the books you can go and have a bit of a you know watch of some YouTube videos or whatever it is you build into it. And finally the big suggestion that they make is to take breaks, regular breaks. It talks about the breaks in three different sections. And again, the website that I found with these suggestions, I've put in the blurb for this episode. So, you know, click on that and have a read of it. If you are a boy who's about to do the revision and you want to get some ideas, don't be put off by the fact that this website is a parent's guide because the advice in there is still useful. And a lot of the advice out there is for parents. It's all starting from how can I help my child revise and how can I help my child study? So just, you know, ignore the fact that it's a parent's guide, but take on board what it says. But it talks about having short breaks, as I said before, you know, like have a 15 minute break or a 30 minute break. Sometimes you just need to focus your eyes at a completely different length. You know, turn away from the books and stare out the window or go for a little walk or something. Taking a longer break and also taking a day off. It's crucial that you have that. Build that into your regime. Build yourself a nice little revision timetable and a study timetable where you've got all these breaks built in. You've got all these bits of focus and you can say, you know, do it like a timetable like you've even got for your lectures and lessons at school. 
So these are all great suggestions. So as I say, just click on that link and have a look through and see what your suggestions are. But trust me, you won't be short of any suggestions for how to help you study if you just Google how do I study for my exams. There's so much information out there. And everyone, everyone, trust me, has that horror story where they're sitting in the exam room and they're told that they can now turn their papers over and begin the exam. And nothing of what you have studied is a question on the paper. We've all had that. But you need to keep this in mind. No one in any point of history has walked out of an exam room and complained that they did too much revision and too much study. But people have walked out and said they wish they'd done more. I'm Leon Deggs and I was never very good at studying, but I got through it somehow. Thank you for listening.